my friends, and welcome to the podcast. This is Mike Hill, and this is Everything Went Black. Tonight we have Randy Pyro, who um, plays guitar and sings in a band called Orb Weaver, which is like this pretty far out, extreme death metal band. Um, Randy also used to play in Hate Eternal and the band Geigen, and I actually met him when he was in Geigen. So um, yeah, he's a really cool dude. Uh, pretty far out sort of guy he's got a lot of interesting ideas but before we get into that i just want to let everyone know that uh if you're into coffee you got to check out savage gold coffee that's uh my coffee brand at savagegoldcoffee.com we're running a uh, summer-wide sale on t-shirts so uh go and check it out t-shirts are for sale they have uh, this awesome thomas cooper design this mandala with a coffee bean in the middle really cool uh, also, we have the affiliate sponsorships, which would be on it. Datsusara, and uh, head on over to everythingwentblackmedia.com to check that out. You can click through the portal and send you to the site, and then you can uh, buy away. And I get to um, wet my beak and uh, help pay the bills around here. We're also on Facebook, so you can look up Everything Went Black Media on Facebook. Uh, leave comments. You can uh, contact me directly from there if uh, you want to ask questions or have uh, some information you want to share with me. Also, um, if you're into the podcast, please leave a review and a comment and a rating on iTunes. That's very important for the uh, overall standing of the podcast, and it kind of helps everything uh, helps everything along, helps lubricate the gears, if you know what I'm saying. You can also follow me on Twitter at MikeHillHQ, and um, I'm, I'm pretty active on Twitter, tweeting about all sorts of stuff. So there you go. So yeah, Randy, I actually met you several years ago uh, when you were playing in Geigen. And you guys played a show at Union Pool in Brooklyn, which is a venue that used to do a lot of metal shows and now kind of has disappeared from the metal show world since St. Vitus opened up. But um, I was driving Wet Nurse and, uh, you know, Garrett and Kern. Oh, that band. I re- yeah. You know what? I was, man, I remember that show and I was so bummed that night, particularly because I wasn't able to go to Barcade. <laughs> like I, I, I like just other responsibilities like having to do merch and all that like the whole everybody else got to go to barcade and I, I just remember being bummed and then that show being awesome I think mutilation rights played it too right possibly and maybe 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 not I think it might well that's a good question because part of me believes oh you know who played that show it wasn't mutilation rights it was uh, mutant supremacy yes mutant supremacy yeah. Yep. Yeah, they played. They were the. I think they went out first, and um, yeah, it was a pretty cool show actually. And uh, yeah. that venue, Union Pool, that used to be sort of like where all those like smaller metal shows happened. But uh, since St. Vitus opened up, that has kind of fallen more to the wayside, and uh, kind of like more local, like hipster type shows have gone on there. However. Uh, Kid Congo is playing there in a couple weeks. I'm definitely going to go check that out. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, they, um, they, uh, I believe they played Churchill's down here. It was either like at the beginning of the year or late last year. And I didn't get to go, but I heard it was insane. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, they were, I was told that you played bass in, um, in Hate Eternal. And I was like, oh yeah, that's the guy from uh, I Monarch. So, uh, so yeah, that's, you know, that's where we met. And then we met again uh, when we were on tour with 16 down in Florida. We stayed at your house. Yep. Yeah. I don't remember meeting you at, at, at Union at Union Pool, but I, I'm really admittedly bad with that, especially when I'm on tour. But I, I, I vividly recall you guys staying at, at, at our house and just like having a late night chat about various conspiracy theories and stuff like that. Like, wow, you have a way better memory than I do. And now I feel like an asshole. <laughs> That's cool, man. I've been taking Alpha Brain, which is like this on it product. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I've been, my, my, my mind has been very sharp in the last uh, couple of years. So all that stuff comes to me, you know, out of the ether. You know, the uh, the dim mists of the past have uh, become clear to me again. <laughs> you know, Geigen was like, not necessarily being in the band, but just like that period of my life was a very like, kind of like dark period for me. Yeah, how so? so? It's like one of those like, just rather like, kind of like easily forgotten you know what I mean? I hear you. Yeah. What was per- how? Uh, what was particularly dark about that period? Just uh, you know, life in general, or anything specific? You know, life in general, just like um, dealing with like negative forces in life, and 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 um, and figuring out how to channel them properly, and not let them necessarily dictate me. If that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah, it was just, I, I was a really negative, negative, negative person at that time of my life. And like, I just desperately was like trying to change that, like find whatever that like internal cog was to, to, to flip the switch. And um, I just remember being unhappy a lot during the, during the Geigen years, you know, like it was... Uh, it was a period of my life where the rose-colored glasses, as far as like the world and people, kind of came off, you know. Yeah. And uh, now you're happier. Yes, but honestly, to be happy is that I, I've come, I've come to the realization, at least for me, that like happiness seems to be a process. Like if I just, if I don't have a goal, if I don't have something I'm, I'm working towards, like whether it's like an internal thing or a musical thing or just other things in life. It, it, it's hard for me just to just to be gloomy, and um, I just try to look at the world in, in, in an incredibly positive light now, and surround myself with with positive people, and um, just project as much positive energy as I can. You know what I mean? And, and I just feel that's it, it's it's sometimes not the easiest thing. It's like trying to adopt a more healthy lifestyle in a way. Yeah, but I mean that's kind of a typical. I mean, I think a lot of people experience that and are unaware of it. I think that as primates, you know, we sort of need to have some kind of goal or obstacle or something to kind of put ourselves up against. Otherwise, the stagnation is like what causes us to get into these depressions, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, even, you know, believe me, dude, I <laughs> completely understand darkness and depression and like negativity and living a life where you just hate everyone and that kind of stuff. I mean, I... Years ago, uh, you know, I went through periods like that in my life as well. And, um, you know, I was just like super negative all the time. And, and I made a concerted effort to try to change my point of view. Um, 
Exactly. You know, and then it, but it takes a lot of work because it, it's an easy way out to sit there and blame everyone else for your feelings that you have. Exactly. Exactly. Or just even let, even if the feelings are like a result of your own fault, I feel it's just easy. Like negativity is an easy path. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's just so like uh, self-replicating and just like feeds on itself. You know what I mean? Whereas like positivity, true positivity to me, heartfelt positivity is is somewhat of an uphill battle because the world itself is just violent and negative. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So it's, yeah. No, that's good because so many people fall victim to just the easy way out, which is to complain and, you know, hang out in their room and just, you know, be depressed, you know, take it out on other people and just put forth that negative energy into the universe. Putting forth negative energy into the universe and expecting something positive to come back to you is pretty unrealistic. So you have to change the way you perceive things sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Worded exactly the way I kind of think it in my head, you know? Right on. Okay, cool. So you're, you're playing uh, this very interesting form of metal in Geigen, okay? And um, so what basically, what, what was the transition between Geigen and your current band, Orb Weaver? Because uh, the Orb Weaver stuff is pretty far out as well. Well, and Geigen, like after after Geigen, because of all the negativity and, and, and stuff, like I, I again not like associated with the band, just me in general. Um, and dude, I actually intended just to not play music at all for a while. Like I, I literally, I packed all my gear away in my house, you know, put my guitars away, and and, and just set about, you know, doing other things. You know, I guess like trying to be a normal human. You know, nine to five, that whole, that whole thing. And then, um, you know, one day I just took my guitar out and it, dude, I, I still remember it. it, it, it there's the second I wrote, wrote you know, the, the, the first riff that would eventually become stuff for Orb Weaver. I just was like, okay, well, here we go again. It's, it's at that point, it, it became obvious to me that that was not something that I could ever ignore in my life and I shouldn't ignore. And, uh, it felt great, you know, like right when I realized like I don't need to, to necessarily like walk away from like music to, to walk away from like playing extreme music, you know what I mean? Playing yeah. something that's supposed to deal with like negativity. I didn't have to like walk away from that to 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 not feel negative all the time, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, that's, um, you know, maybe in some ways that helps, you know. I mean, that's something that you're familiar with is that style of music, and that style doesn't necessarily have to, um, you know, come from, like, a negative viewpoint on life. You know what I mean? No, man. And, and honestly, everything we do is, is is from an ultimately optimistic point of view. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's, like, a story within the songs, and it has its, like, dark periods and things like that, but it's it's it's... To me, optimism is is like, you know, opportunity. Like having just like the entire universe at your command. You know what I mean? Sure. And once you realize that, at first it's scary because it's so freaking huge. You know. And then once you get over that immenseness and, and just realizing that 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 you can navigate yourself through something that's way bigger than you, it, it, it becomes, you know, empowering in a way. You know. Yeah, totally. Also the um, sort of relative insignificance of my life in respect to the universe is uh, something that's kind of freeing 
whenever I get into these weird moods about, you know, whatever, man, like paying my rent or, you know, fucking, you know, getting a better cell phone plan or something like that. I just think about how, you know, the immensity of the universe, my life compared to that is like completely meaningless. And even the timeline of my life compared to infinity is just like, you know, a speck in like, a, you know, a desert really, you know, and it's that nothing. it's nothing, you know, and all these little trips and all these little hangups and everything that everyone's on, it's going to be forgotten, you know, even a hundred years from now, you know, everything's going to be forgotten a thousand years from now. No one's going to even know that this world even existed probably because then it's going to be on to another phase of the planet, you know? Yeah, man. And, and honestly, when I get down like that, I'll like bust out one of my books from the like you know I have like all these cool Hubble telescope books and I'll just look at you know you know killer cosmic stuff like that just to to I guess at some point remind me of, of, of what you just said but but even to go on a smaller scale like all these trials and tribulations man even within like in the span of like your your human lifetime you know like I don't know maybe it's just the way I'm, I'm trying to look at things but like the more positive aspects of my life even when I'm down the more positive aspects of my life you know what I mean are always like you know more I I try to keep them more prevalent than like negative aspects of my life you know so I think as time goes on you can kind of train your mind to just think that you know yeah so um specifically with Orb Weaver how long has the band existed uh man uh the first of September will be five years. Five years, nice. It's a nice yeah. period of time. You know, after five years of playing, you probably have a pretty good idea about what you what you're you know what you're doing as far as uh, you know creatively, like what your direction is. It changes song to song, you know. Um, it's just what's like I, I you know I just treat music as its songs as like a snapshot of, of, of where you or your collective unit is at that particular moment in time you know what I mean so it's, it's like yeah I, I, I know what I'm, I'm doing and uh, I just I, I don't know I, I, I just tr- I, I, I trust my myself to go yeah this is this is, this is worthy or, or no maybe not you know yeah so is uh, what's the personnel in, in Orb Weaver uh, you know is it like who, who plays in the band right now um, well, me, uh, I play guitar and I yep. sing and, and stuff. And Sally um, Gates plays lead guitar. Uh, Jason Leggard is like bass. All of us, you know, do crazy effects and stuff like that. And um, newest newest addition to the band is uh, and Nick, uh, Nick Augusto, who plays drums. And um, yeah, yeah, that's us. For like uh, people out there who may not be familiar with uh, with Orb Weaver, what is the you know how can they find you guys like to check out some songs? You know, is it on Spotify? Do you guys have a website, Facebook, like that kind of stuff? Yeah, uh, not sure on Spotify. We're on Pandora. You know, obviously Facebook, Bandcamp, all that things. Um, we have one EP out now, um, and just finished our just actually finished tracking our record uh, last month. And that should be coming out next uh, next year, probably. Cool. Is, that, is there a label putting it out? Uh, no, we're on sign right now, so we're, we're shopping around right now and uh, trying to secure a deal. So everyone out there, um, if you listen to metal, 
extreme metal definitely check out or weaver and it's like extreme metal but it's not like specifically that there's a lot of side to side motion when it comes to um different influences and sort of you know different takes on that version of metal so i mean that's my description to you guys i mean how would you describe it randy you know we always just let other people describe <laughs> us because it's it's you know I, I it's it's like what you just said you know we're kind of quirky you know it's it's we're dynamic there's lots of peaks, peaks and valleys you know like you know kind of I, I don't know how to describe my own band without sounding like pretentious and stupid but it's you know it's just kind of like weird noisy proggy experimental kind of death metal I guess it's one of the hardest things to do is to describe your own music you know yeah um one of the things that I can say is that uh, if you're a fan of bands like Ulcerate, maybe, um, yeah. or, or Gore, yeah. Gore Guts, or um, you know something that's like in the death metal genre, but is more interested in progression as opposed to playing a, a style, you know. And that's not to say bands that stick to a certain style are bad. It's just oh. that you guys are a different type of band, and if you're into yeah. that sort of self-expression. Then that's the kind yeah. of band Orb Weaver is. Yeah, it's 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 oddly it's funny. Like for like a lot of like the guys who are into like really like straightforward like death metal, it's like we're too doomy. And for people who are just like into doom, we're too death metally. And like everybody's like you know either likes or dislikes some of the other weird stuff that we have going on. I, I, you know, I don't know. One of the things that I've been uh, like, sort of uh, casually interested in is uh, this thing called the dark web. I don't know if you're if you're familiar with with that. Man, I, I am, and I'm incredibly fascinated with it. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. There's there, there's some crazy stuff on there. Have you seen this? Um, Man, there's this fucking terrifying video game called Sad Satan on there that is that has literally just been like keeping me awake at night and just absolute like odd terror, man. It's 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 fucking fried. I um I've only seen the YouTube um you know sort of like gameplays of it. Like they you know, there's like a thing on YouTube where um you know you uh they, they some guy filmed like him doing the, the game, basically. And uh you know, it's it's pretty the fact that it's so primitive looking, I think, adds to the terrifying nature of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 grainy, but it's it's like it's it's really psychedelic at the same time. Like I, yeah, I've always been into to video games when I was a kid, and like just looking at like the textures on the walls, and like looking at like how like the, the, the bits are like forming, you know, like different you know patterns and stuff like that is always has always tripped me out. And, and uh, weird sounds, yeah. Like when they're done right, will just like, man, make you know shiver up my spine. The goosebumps thing, and, and this thing is full of them. Well, for anyone out there who hasn't checked out Sad Satan or knows what the fuck we're talking about, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, there was like a I think a website was called or it was like a forum or something called Obscure Horror Games or something like that. Yeah, that's actually where I discovered it myself. Yeah. I heard about it on another podcast called Ground Zero. And uh-huh. um, 
the guy was talking about it. And of course, you know, the fact that people are saying, don't look at it, don't check it out, made me want to see it, you know, and like, you know, the crazy uh, explorer part of my personality wanted to find it, find out more about this thing. Um, I don't have access to the deep web or the dark web, whatever we're calling it. I don't have that Tor uh, browser or whatever it's called. So, nor, nor do I necessarily think that I want to um, delve into those depths. Yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I put it this way. I don't either. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I use a neutral portal, let's say, you know? Yeah. And, and that shit. <laughs> you know, and apparently the dark web, even though it has this, like, sinister name, is not necessarily uh, inherently this, like, sinister place. Because apparently it's primarily stuff that's... Um, you know, like password protected, yeah. you know, banking information or databases or whatever. But there are some people who use that section of the World Wide Web to hide things like drug trafficking, buying weapons, child pornography. And as a matter of fact, child pornography apparently is like the second biggest thing on the dark web. So when when I was first showing this, a friend of mine was showing me some, it did not child pornography, but like dude forums for like hitmen and shit like that and it was just like holy shit they're, this is a market you know what I mean like yeah. just seeing it laid out like it's unclassified it's in a newspaper you know what I mean like it's yeah. really fucking trippy and, and uh, fucking scary man. yeah it's terrifying I had no idea this, this existed like three months ago I was like ignorant of this whole thing and apparently it's the thing that makes it dark is that there's no way it's like completely anonymous um you know there's no ip address you know tracing or any of that kind of stuff like if so if you want to just be a completely anonymous figure there you can't like there's no way for anyone to track you unless you provide some way for them to get in touch with you and i'm sure that's all you know shadowy well, yeah, look at the silk road guy yeah you know he I mean, supposedly when they caught him, you know, they, they caught him right there, like on his, on the, on, you know, he was literally on the passport page. So it's, it's, you know, I think it's ultimately possible to, to track, you know, even in the dark web, it's, it's pretty possible to, to track everything that you're doing, you know? Yeah. That's scary. That's scary knowing that there's some database out there with like my name on it, like that has just like every fucking weird thing that I've ever clicked on or like, Checked out from the library, you know. That's, yeah, yeah. It sort of makes you want to keep your eyes open, you know. Like keep keep your keep one one eye open at all times, you know. Yeah. But it's funny with this game. Apparently, uh, you know, no one knows who, who created it. Uh, there's a super extreme version of it that's on the dark web that um, is not the same version that you're watching on YouTube, apparently, and. Uh, you know, there's like some real, there's like illegal images apparently on on the the original game that was, um, you know, the the real game, the real version of it. Um, most of the most effective thing about it though is the sound because a lot of it sounds like a throbbing gristle or like White House record or something with these like super yeah, exactly. distorted, low like down tuned. There's like some Manson stuff on there, which at this stage of the game isn't very creepy, but like. It just adds to this atmosphere, especially if you watch it with all like the lights out, like alone and that kind of thing. It's like very, very creepy. It is, man. It's actually, I, 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 I honestly haven't been able to do like more than like 10, 15 minutes of it at a time before I just kind of like, 
you know what I mean? Like, all right, I need a break. I need to like, because it, it warps you in. And you know what? I would so not advise anybody playing it on your computer because all the stories about all the weird shit that it does with like opening notepads and just like, it, dude, it does some weird shit to your computer. I would not recommend. Like, watch the videos. Watch the videos and trip out on that. Like, it's it's. I've been at it for a few weeks, and it's not like I've uncovered anything more that's been, like, put into all the stuff that's already out there, and it, you can experience it just the same, you know? So you've actually played the game, or... or yeah, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been, like, you know, I'll go to a friend of mine who's very into the whole, you know, dark web, and uh, it was like, dude, pop, pop this fucking... Honestly, I'm not the most computer-savvy guy anyway, so even if I had Tor, I probably couldn't figure it out, but... um. You know, I'm, I'm like, pop this game up, you know, and I'll go over to my buddy's house, you know, have a couple of beers and, and, you know, play it. Same thing, you know, lights out, you know, maybe light a couple of candles, get all creeped out with it. But it's, it's, dude, it's intense. It's intense. It, it's, it's, even if you just don't play it and you just stand there and just watch everything, it's, 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 it's really creepy. And the way that they, the sounds are triggered, it's kind of like, it's either based off an event you do or a place you're standing in. So you can literally just stand your person in a spot and just hear this just an insane loop over and over again. And it, it, it gets really, really claustrophobic feeling. Wow. Yeah, I didn't realize you actually played the game, man. That's fucking insane. Yeah, it's, it's it not, again, I can only do it for, you know, very short periods of time, but I, I, I don't. I would, like I said, I wouldn't recommend in, like playing it on it on, on your computer. Like, there's been a lot of crazy shit with it. You know, just stuff opening and closing. You know, I think whoever programmed this game, you know, I don't want to say troll. You know what I mean? But really wanted to to totally like drive home the whole haunted experience while you're playing it. You know what I mean? Like the, the feeling of dis- disorientation and things like that because it. Yeah, whoever did it did a really good job. I kind of heard that uh, this, the whole thing's been sort of debunked, apparently, that the guy who runs the website, that obscure uh-huh. horror website, is actually the guy who produced the the, uh, the game. <laughs> really? Yeah, and that a lot of, you know, he, he wanted to create this event to, like, you know, raise his profile. Well, he did a good job. Yeah. You know, I, I can attest that it, there, there are playable versions of it out there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you never know, man. Like, that hasn't even been confirmed, but that's what a lot of people are saying. Like, there's a whole thread on Reddit about the whole thing. You know, and that's, I spent a lot, you know, like the last couple of weeks, I've been, you know, casually digging yeah. into it, you know, and, and reading that's about it. part about it. Yeah. No, I can, yes, there are, there, there are playable versions of it. It does do the weird thing with the, with the notepad just popping up gibberish. And it's nothing, again, it just, it's like I, I don't know if somebody's like familiar with Silent Hill, but take the creepiest parts of Silent Hill, strip them down of all color and all meaning, and that's what it kind of feels like, just amplified, you know? Yeah. Well, it, it was a little creepy when I was watching it, and I was just watching the YouTube clips, you know. But uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's it sort of the concept of there being like this other parallel um, web, you know, that I can't trace or that there's these people that are out there like fascinated by these things sort of makes me feel a little uneasy at times and uh 
you know, as a result of the explorations of, um, you know, Sad Satan, I've, uh, you know, done some reading just in general about some of the other things that are out there on the dark web, and it's, it's like, pretty pretty terrifying, man, you know? It is. The Silk Road thing was, was, was pretty terrifying to me, not, like, drug trafficking and stuff like that, but just, like, the unregistered, like, weapons and crazy explosive and things like that that anybody can just get delivered to, a like, a P.O. box, you know? It's... Yeah. It's scary, but you know what? I guess that stuff has always existed, you know, before internet times. You know, there was always a black market where you could, you know. In some ways, it makes sense that this does exist, like, in, you know, because there was always a black market. So when there's a network of communication that covers the entire world, so why not? You know, why not keep some clandestine operation out there where people can get in touch with each other, you know, and and do these, like, you know, shadowy uh, business together, you know? Yeah. So, like, so have you ever even like, like poked around and 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 seen anything on there for yourself or no. just kind of like? Nope, I haven't. I um, I like I said, I only I only found out about it about a few weeks ago when um when I heard about Sad Satan and I was like, holy shit, man, you know. And you, you need to have a special browser too, right? This thing called Tor. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and, and dude, I am totally not computer guy but the way that I it's been explained to me is what this browser does is it it kind of bounces you through several different sources so if somebody did want between like where you're sitting and when you click your I guess your signal your IP address goes through so many different locations that it, it's like next to impossible to track it back you know what I mean huh, okay so I, I it, you know I think it's like that you know how the what, what is it that like Go Go Duck or what's that that one that's kind of, it, it's it's like another search engine that supposedly doesn't save your history and stuff like that. It's like it's supposed to be a bigger version of that 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 keeps you anonymous. Huh. But okay. you know, obviously they could track. Eventually, anybody can track. You know, something. So yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely like an eye in the sky somewhere who's keeping an eye on everything. I mean, that's, you might be a little bit harder for that eye in the sky to see you, you know what I mean? But eventually they'll find you. It's like that, you know, it's like Sauron or something, you know, you might be able to hide from Sauron, but, you know, eventually they'll catch up to you if you don't stop, you know, if you stop moving, man, that's it, you know? Yeah. But uh, no, I haven't, man. So I'm I'm assuming you you have, you've like delved into this thing, like you've... A a little bit, and again, just to look and see what's there and go holy you know I, I kind of look at it like I, I, I like when I first got the internet and going to like rotten.com yeah. I remember thinking that was just like oh my god I just found the sewer of the internet you know what I mean yeah. like all the bad stuff is here and now in my adult life it's kind of like dark web has kind of gives me the same feeling you know what I mean just you, you know just kind of walk through it like you're walking through a museum and going oh my god huh it's fun, you know. Yeah. It's it's if you're into just like looking at some weird stuff and and seeing that the, again, just seeing something that you know is totally serious, like somebody, I don't know, was somebody selling like you know pounds of napalm, you know, <laughs> it's just like on a bidding site, you know. Like I, I remember my introduction was Silk Road, and just seeing Silk Road and just going this is this is incredible i can't believe this exists i can't believe like somebody could just 
And then the whole Bitcoin thing, which I still don't understand. I don't understand how there's like physical value to a Bitcoin. Yeah. But apparently that's that's like the big mode of, of, of transaction because again, somehow that's like untraceable. But how do you, you know what I mean? Like how, how, how does it work? How, how does that have a value if I have X amount of, of Bitcoins? You know, I, I, I don't understand it. So. Yeah, that's been something that's been interesting to me too because there actually has been other currencies as, in addition to Bitcoin that have arisen. And uh, I mean, the, the reality of it too, man, is like nowadays, like even in this country, since we're now no longer on the gold standard, like there's no there's like how the fuck do you determine how much a dollar is really it's like you know the uh, the federal reserve which is like you know a uh, not a government company at all it's like a bunch of bankers really yeah and they, they all, just printed 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 yeah and it's all like some mathematical abstraction as to where the value actually comes from and that's why like that's why everything's inflation and there's all this you know it's inflation and values dropping and all this other stuff it's like you know, I couldn't even tell you how they determine the the, the worth of money. You know, no, I, I don't I, I don't either. Like even what, what you were just talking about with like the Federal Reserve, like you know, I I you know I, I, I can't talk about it because I I have no idea of, of, of how they that is even determined. Like okay, this is this is truly worth a dollar. I I, I don't get it. Like well, it baffles my mind sometimes when I think about it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's why a lot of there's like that conspiracy about the you know the one world bank and the the new world order and you know the Bilderberg group and how you know all of these um, you know the fall of the euro the fall of the dollar like how all these like currency collapses some believe are part of a global conspiracy you know and that's uh, I mean you can deep you can disappear into that rabbit hole man like if you want to <laughs> you can spend yeah. days and days and days doesn't eventually the whole JFK assassination get brought back in, into that somehow yeah and he want to bring us back to the gold standard or something yeah that, that, exactly that that's one of many conspiracies that bring us back to that and then if you go even further than that there's like you know the reptilian overlords who, <laughs> you know, who yeah, are like and stuff like that that's know, the fun stuff to me that's man I I get so much of a kick about of, of just like going to all these crazy conspiracy theory websites and just reading it. It's like, uh, it's like the National Enquirer, only just like better. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> That's the thing, man. It's like, you know, I'm not going to say that we're ruled by reptilian overlords, but um, some of that stuff, you know, and, and look. Just as a, as a, I'm going to get this out in the open right away. Like I, I don't believe that there's a reptilian race calling the shots here. But you know, my thing is that we take for granted and we just assume that the, the primates, the age of the primate ruling this planet, um, is the only civilization that's ever gotten this far as far you know technologically and culturally advanced as we are. So who's to say? That at some point there was not a ancient reptile race that actually ruled the planet. I dude, I I, I agree. Yeah. I agree, and, and um, you know, I think a lot of people like want to assume that like early man or early civilized man was stupid, and I don't think they were necessarily stupid because we're talking about people who, who were ultimately able to see like 
you know, patterns developing in the sky and mm-hmm. evolved or not, that's, you know, that, that takes some initiative on the, on the, on the mind, right? So just even when I look at like weird old, old hieroglyphs and stuff, I'm like, why is it a man body with a hawk head? You know, I, 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 I don't know. I do believe. I do believe. I, I, I don't necessarily believe in, a, like you said, a reptilian race that is that is pulling the strings. But I, I or there has other been been other races or civilizations before us. Yeah, I believe all of those things. I think it's still kind of continuing. I, you know, I don't know. I'm an alien guy. What can I say? Yeah. Well, even even just uh, with the age of, the, of you know in Egypt, like the age of the Sphinx and the, and all that sort of stuff. I mean that. Again? Uh, even like in Egypt with um, what the hell's John Anthony West, the guy who is the Egyptologist who most of uh, modern academia is trying to discredit him because he's saying the pyramids actually are. I mean, not the pyramids, the uh, the Sphinx is actually older than they think it is. You know, really? yeah, he's the guy who's like trying to lay out this whole civilization timeline where uh, there was a different civilization that there was water there and you know and all this other stuff and. Um, he has a really interesting uh, series of films called uh, Magical Egypt, and um, he talks about all that stuff about you know how he thinks it's older because of, and he's done a bunch of research regarding that, um, you know, and that stuff is like, you know, even there might even have been just a whole other race of man prior to ours that's like, you know, they had planes or whatever, you know, yeah doesn't have to be an alien you know it could be humanity you know with the yeah, go we're like the whole atlantis theory you know what i mean like there's something there you know that that achieved at least where we're at now before us you know yeah because if you really think about it like even especially nowadays that everything is being digitized and um you know doesn't exist in the physical world anymore you know, all of our knowledge and stuff is now on out in this like amorphous ether that's like the cloud or whatever. Yeah. So if we turn the power off, man, that shit's gone forever. No one will ever even know it existed. And then if civilization collapsed, all this plastic and this fucking buildings and everything would just crumble. And you would two thousand, three, four thousand years from now, no one would even know that we even were here. No. No, they wouldn't. They would see you know there would be man I'm trying to think of what like I've thought about it several times like like you said a couple thousand years after like what would be some monuments left and like you know obviously I'm you know I'm American so I'm just thinking around like you know the landscape of America and it's like could you imagine just like being some like new emerging type of civilization and just like stumbling on like Mount Rushmore or something. That might like still that. be there, yeah. Something like that. These like faces. Like well, who are these guys? You know, what what do they yeah. do? Yeah, who are these dudes, you know? Just like we are with the you know, um oh uh, oh God, what is that thing that Eric uses for the mono recording? Uh, the, the heads in Easter so, Island. Easter you know? Island, yeah. Yep. You know. We're just like what the hell are these, you know? Yeah. The uh yeah. The, the, um, You've been to Detroit, right? You've been to Detroit a few times? Yeah, I've been to Detroit a few times. Now, think about Detroit and think about how it's only been a couple of few decades and how the wilderness is reclaiming parts of that city. You know what I mean? Dude, look at Chernobyl. Yeah, there you go, Chernobyl. You know, like, fucking, I mean, that's some, some Mad Max fallout 
type shit right there you know what i mean even the, you know we're just starting to see fucking bugs mutate in slight ways and like you said just like nature reclaiming you know yeah you know it's all gonna disappear man and no one will ever know you know no one will now ever know about Chernobyl, like several thousand years later you know what i mean like and again like a whole new race is like you know starting to emerge you know with their own with their own, you know, stories and myths and things like that. And just like this place like Chernobyl, where it's like a forbidden, you know, that would totally be a fucking forbidden city. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, don't go there. Like, you just think about all the myths. Don't go there. You'll die. It's it's a forbidden land. Blah, 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 blah. You know? Kind of cool. Yeah. No, totally, man. So so you still, uh, you mentioned Eric Rutan, so you guys are you're still uh, pretty tight with Eric? Because I know when we were recording with him, he had a lot of nice things to say about you. Oh, yeah, man, Eric and I are, are, are friends, man. Um, you know, when, 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 you know, I left the band, you know, you know, of course there was, you know, not like hard feelings, but it was weird, but, you know, time heals uh, all things, and, and he and I talk a lot, and dude, he's an awesome guy, man. Yeah, whenever anyone leaves a band that's, like, doing stuff, even though it might be in the best, you know, totally the best situation, there's still, um, you know, some kind of weird friction sometimes, you know what I mean? And, and it ends up, hopefully, ends up working itself out, you know? Because, I mean, we, you know, Tin Tombs, we, we have a new drummer now. I don't know if you knew that or not. I, you know what? I, I, I saw that, and I was, like, I, I was shocked. I was like, Really? Yeah, but I also saw that you don't you have um, a keyboard player too now. Oh yeah, we do. Yep, we have a guy oh, man, who plays since. Yeah, that's gonna be cool. <laughs> but uh, but Andrew and I are tight. I mean, it was you know Andrew just you know whatever man. He got to a point in his life where he didn't want to have to like drive around in a van with a bunch of guys like playing in front of like thirty people every night. You know what I mean? It's just sure that was like you know not what he wanted. I mean, and it, and it wasn't even that. It was just like he wanted to spend time with his girlfriend and. Get me while he's married. He's engaged now, so I mean, he's. Oh, cool. Yeah, I wanted like get into that nesting vibe. You know what I mean? And like, he lives up in Ithaca now, which is like about four, I don't know, like six hours away from the city. So even even the logistics of him playing with us was was difficult. You know. So I mean, it we we worked like that for a year, and um, and then you know it just came to a time, man, and it was it was. Yeah. You know, it was inconvenient, obviously, and I was like kind of freaking out because I'm like, man, what the fuck am I going to do? Like, find another drummer like that? And uh, you know, we and we found another guy, a good friend of ours, this you know guy, uh, Charlie He's Schmidt. Playing with you now. This guy Charlie Schmidt. He's um played in a lot of different bands around the city, and he was in this band called Vora, which was um was on Profound Lore, and they were sort of like this uh, you know sort of gothic prog black metal like you know hard to describe like kind of like this very dark like atmospheric sort of band and okay, um cool. yeah I heard I heard some of his playing on those records and I was like man this guy's really good but he and I were working in a side project with some other people which the project never really went anywhere but that's when I got to know Charlie as a person and uh and I was like yeah he's, he's a pretty awesome guy and um when Andrew left, we were like, okay, um, you know, let's let's see, maybe maybe Charlie can fill in indefinitely or whatever. So he did the Paul Bearer tour this last year, and uh, and he just and did everything worked out and ended up staying in the band. And he, we just recorded five songs actually for an EP. Oh, yeah. yeah, for an EP that's coming out in um, 
you know, probably next year, early next year. Oh, I and, saw that. Did you do that with uh, Sanford? Yeah, Sanford and this guy Chris um, up in the studio in upstate New York that was called Applehead Studio, which is an amazing place. It's like there's like out in the woods totally comfortable they got great equipment and all that kind of stuff nice um you know we we actually paid for the whole thing ourselves because we're between uh, contracts with relapse so this is like our own thing that we own 100 percent of sure and that's why like you know we couldn't really afford to go down to to work with eric on this one you know we didn't really have the budget for that but um so we ended up working with sanford but uh relapse is gonna they're gonna license uh, the vinyl so There'll be a vinyl version of this that Relapse is going to put out, but uh, oh, yeah, we probably. I mean, I'm going to say unofficially that we're probably going to sign, back, you know, re-sign with Relapse for more records. But, but anyway, that's a roundabout way of saying that you know, new new people in the band, you know, like leaving bands. There's always like that weird period initially where you're like, you might be a little angry. You're like, you know, how can this guy do this to me? You know, and but eventually the shit off comes to pass unless the other yeah. person unless unless the other person's a, a creeper or like a weirdo or whatever and they're no, a man, bad person is, man Haiti Turtle I got to join my favorite band like they, they were absolutely my dude they, they dethroned Morbid Angel at that period of my life you know what I mean I, I was a super massive Haiti Turtle fan so it was it was an awesome thing and, and you know I mean you see what I've you know what, what I did with Guy and what I'm doing now you know I just you know, I just had different ideas of, of you know ultimately what I wanted to do. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and also, I mean, Hate Eternal is definitely Eric's band. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, but dude, yeah. he was dude. He was like, yeah, he writes a lion share of the material, but it, it's it's arranged like a band. You know what I mean? Like when you're playing with him in Hate Eternal, you it, it, you know at least I didn't feel like it was the Rutan show. Like he and I worked on a lot of tunes together. You know. Definitely, you know, I have material on there. Derek has material on that record. Like it, it, it's his baby for sure. But he doesn't, you know, he he never treated me like that. You know. Well, that's good enough. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not. I just assumed that. I, uh, um, you know, I didn't really. I never really spoke with him about like how the band is, is operated or anything. You know. But, no, I mean, he again. He wrote the lion's share of the stuff. You know what I mean? But but, I mean, even yeah, I know. His new bass player, JJ, you know, writes a lot of stuff, too. Eric definitely, you know, when he selects his band members, you know, he selects them for a reason. You know, like, he gets along with them. And, yeah, you're right. It'll always be Eric's baby, you know, because he started it. He's, you know, been the main visionary the whole time. But, like I said, he doesn't treat me like that. I don't think he treats other people like that from what I've seen, you know. Yeah. When um, So, are you a native of Florida? Did you always live in Florida? You grew up there? Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, born and raised. And, uh, so, like, was that the death metal scene, like, a big part of, uh, your musical, uh, you know, nutrition when you were growing up? It became, man, like, I started playing music just before I got into death metal, like, stuff like Queen and Metallica and Sabbath were, like, were, like, my world, but then I heard Morbid Angel, and... I, I literally, I, I tell this to people, I went from Metallica to Morbid Angel. There was no in-between, you know? So, like, everything in between, I didn't like for a period of time. Because I just, death metal was just awesome. It was, like, the best horror movie ever. It was, like, the soundtrack to the best horror movie ever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just got this awesome, eerie feeling from it. And then when I started realizing that all the bands were from 
were from Tampa, which was like four hours north of where I live. I'm closer to Miami. Oh, it was so awesome, man. And, and like, my parents, like, were always supportive of music and stuff. Like, they started getting a little scared when I got into death metal. But, you know, just for teenage rebellion things. But, yeah. man, my dad would take me to Tampa all the time for, like, weekend trips. And I'd go to Aces and, you know, buy records, man. It was awesome. It was... I, I grew up right at the end of it, man, but I definitely, like, breathed it in as much as I could because I was obsessed with it, you know? Yeah, yeah, that was, like, you know, American Death Metal, man. That was, like, the epicenter of that whole trip, you know? It was and, just... Oh, I just would never... I'll, I'll never forget hearing Rapture for the first time and just going, that's a cool riff. <laughs> and those drums, holy fuck. And then when the vocals came in, I was just like, that is it whatever the, I, I woke up the next day went to my local record store and bought thinking Morbid Angel's a new band I'm like what is this I've never heard of these guys like you know I, I was getting into metal you know but I, I, then I was like oh my god they have three records I bought all three of them I just sat there the whole weekend just listening to those things reading the liner notes writing down band names went back the next day about all the DSI and obituary stuff and I just remember that death metal weekend <laughs> you know <laughs> like oh <laughs> it was so awesome that's the coolest thing about liner notes is um I, I do the same I you know did the same thing when you you get a record and you even you know I was for me it was thrash like cause I'm a little bit older and uh you know thrash was like the thing and getting all those like you know Dark Angel and all that stuff and like reading the liner notes and finding out all oh, these guys like this band Exodus so checking out Exodus and you know for, yeah. Forbidden and, and all these you know just going through the liner notes and trying to find all those records because you know back then you know there was really you couldn't really go on Spotify you had to actually go to a record store or ask someone or find people that had you that had cassettes that you can you know tape yeah. off of or whatever so yeah it was it was cool man you know and and uh, the death metal thing was just an extension of thrash, really. I mean, after after that, just a way more extreme version of that. Yeah, I, I missed the boat on thrash. Like, like I'm, I'm 35, so I got yeah. into, you know, like, literally, like, my introduction to metal was, like, Metallica Black Album. Okay. And uh, from there, I started watching Headbangers Ball. And, you know, I'd watch it Saturday nights, and then... And, you know, Sunday I would wake up and, and uh, I, I'd go to my record store and just buy all the tapes and, and stuff from the bands that I saw the night before. And it was just this, it was just awesome journey, man. And, and uh, I don't know if people like younger dudes get that now with the internet, but I hope they do. You know what I mean? Because I do. I find a lot of new bands just on the internet and then I get into the click hole of just checking stuff out and it's, you know, it was a little different, but I think the, the principle is the same, you know? Yeah. But what was kind of cool about Headbangers Ball, even though, like, that, you know, Ricky Rackman, you know, was kind of a, a cornball, but... Yeah. Uh, but still, there was still, like, some guy curating it, you know, which I thought was cool, even though I didn't agree with all the stuff he was into, you know? Um, and then he'd always have, like, interviews with, like, Danzig and whatever. It was, it was cool, you know? There was, like... Yeah. A, it was, like, um... Yeah, there was just, like, this vibe around the whole thing, and, it was, like, a personality... You know, and I think they revived, they resurrected Headbangers Ball for for a minute with Jamie Josta. Yeah, but I never really. I mean, I, I was out of. I, I didn't. You know, I didn't watch any of that stuff. I don't know if it was similar or what the deal was. I don't even uh -huh. think it ex doesn't even exist anymore now, right? And before that, like they had that. Um, 
Oh, what was that channel? Fuse and, oh, yeah. and that show with Julia and, and um, again, you know what? It, it it was all cool, but it lacked what you were saying. That kind of like character, you know, like like you said, Ricky Rathman's like this goofball. They had this goofy set. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. It had a cult kind of like a USA up all night kind of feel yes. to it, you know. Dude, USA up all night, man. Oh, with Rhonda, USA up all night. Hell yeah, um, dude. Hell yeah. Dude, um, 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 uh, it was on. It, it wasn't on cable. It was on Showtime. But um, Billy Bob's. Um, oh, he. It, oh, I forget it. I'm gonna be googling it. But there was a show just like that on on um. On Showtime, it was like Billy Bob's Back Road Theater. Oh yeah, where he had, yeah. I forget what it actually made, but we had that guy Billy Bob, and he would just be watching the movie, and then kind of like the little intermissions, or he'd be poking fun of it. Like awesome. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff I miss, man. You know, dude, I miss Mystery Science Theater three thousand, man. That was my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, that was a lot of fun too, man. That there needs to be more shit like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. They do a really cool thing called riff tracks. And it's like, you know, I guess it's like a simulcast, a simulcast, I can never say the word simulcast, where you go to a movie theater and you watch a movie and the guys, like half of the old cast from um, Mystery Science Theater is, is uh, making fun of the movie you're watching, you know, and I went, I saw him do uh, Night of the Living Dead and it, it was, oh, it was awesome. It was just like back in the day, you know, minus the robots, you know? Yeah. I like all that stuff, man. Are, are you uh, you you're a horror fan? I'm assuming. You know, I like older horror. Um, I'm a real big, more like sci-fi fan. But yeah, I like old. I like older horror up to a point. Like, it, 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 like modern horror just doesn't really do it for me. Like the super gore fest, you know. Like, I don't know. There's, it, it, I, I I like horror, but it's a real hit or miss thing. I like the more terrifying stuff than gory stuff you know like for example like what like you know uh, I mean older school movies I mean horror movies that I just always rewatch and just adore would be like Hellraiser okay. uh, The Devil's yeah. Reign right um, you know you know some of the John Carpenter stuff like I was never a big Halloween fan but I love Thing um, They Live is, is probably They Live is probably one of my favorite movies ever but that's not really a horror movie like um, the gate. Um, you know, I always like the stuff that was, uh, you know, Event Horizon. Oh Alien. man, dude, you Event know? Horizon. That's like one of my favorite. That's my see. Being a sci-fi fan, you can appreciate that weird hybrid of sci-fi horror. Yeah, yeah. It's just a, what I don't like with horror is when it gets like, you know. Hey God, when I say modern, it's not that these movies are modern, but you know, stuff like. You know, like Saw or High Tension, where it's like, yeah, they have a they have a pretty cool story, but just everything is just like they're trying to be super realistic, almost like a medical documentary. And and uh, I don't know, man. I'm more from like the the George Romero, you know, school of gore, where it's it's gory, but it's still kind of cartoony at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I I love all horror, except, but I'm not a big fan of like American, like the big big budget American stuff. I like a lot of like you know foreign shit, but yeah, or like underground yeah, stuff. stuff is a lot better because it, the, it, it again it makes you kind of think more. It's not just one gore scene after the other, you know. Yeah, but like that old school stuff, like you were saying, you know, like 
you know, Hellraiser and Clive Barker and all that stuff is pretty cool. Like, I like a lot of that stuff, you know. You know, that says, like, a like a, a more um, sort of realized, like, supernatural element to it, you know. And, uh, yeah, or anything anything that's, like, sort of um, inspired by H.P. Lovecraft or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lovecraft is my... Lovecraft is my guy because I just like that. I like the vastness that he always implies. Like everything's so much bigger than you. And and like I was saying earlier about like you know the cosmos that can be sometimes a terrifying thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah, man. Lovecraft is my favorite. Um, I like even though not like movies. Like Stephen King, I've always was a really really big fan of. I I, I love Stephen King, but uh, you know, totally different. I love his writing, man. I actually, there's no, like, the movies not not really are are really that great necessarily. Some of them are good, you know. Some, no, the some ones that he hates are awesome. Yeah, like the Shining, like, the Shining the is brilliant. Yeah, and he hates that one. Yeah, I mean, I see why he hates it. You know what I mean? Or, or, or I don't see why he hates it. I see why he was bummed. But you know, come on, dude. The movie's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's totally awesome. But I love his writing, man. I mean, that dude. You know, can definitely get you. You know, they're page turners. Like all of his books are very like engrossing, and um, I haven't read anything by him in a while. But I did read his um, that came out in the last couple of years. It's like called like Loveland, I think, or yeah, it's, it's the one with the, um, the the amusement park. Is that what it's called, Loveland? Or Joy- honestly, man. I really haven't enjoyed anything that he's put out since his you know, and it was just going back a while. I've really since his accident. I don't know. I don't know if he just ran out of ideas or whatnot. But I remember. I think the last book I read of his was Bag of Bones. Was yeah, the, the most recent one, and I was I, I read the whole thing. You know, and it was a decent book. But I remember just being like, eh. And I tried the, the couple few after that, and couldn't even get through them. Like I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's just been at it too long, you know. Yeah, it's it's bugging. Jo- uh, what the fuck? Joyland, Joyland. That's it. That's Joyland. Yeah, it was like it's was bug- it good? It was really good. I thought it was killer, man. It was like. Uh, right, I'll check it out. Yeah, the thing I like about his books too is like, uh, yeah, there's like a horror element, obviously, but also there's like this kind of like, um, you know, a lot of his books have this like nostalgic, like sort of whimsical like vibe to them. You know, yeah, it's almost like you're reading like the Nick Adams stories by Ernest Hemingway. How it's like it's kind of weird, sure. you know. Growing yeah, have you ever up, gotten to any of his, his short story collections, like Nightmares and Dreamscapes, or any of like the Bachman books and stuff? Yeah, I fucked with those. Yeah, definitely, man. Like um, that's some of my favorite stuff right there. Like the ten, the story, the ten o'clock people, like just that concept of like. The people who only smoke just a certain amount of cigarettes are able to see like this this entirely different world that has creatures that actually prey on us. And you don't, I don't know. Some of his <laughs> concepts like that are so just out there and cool that I'm like, man, that's God, that's cool. You know? Do you think he was talking about DMT instead of uh, cigarettes? Maybe. He, uh, possibly, but that's always something that whether it's cigarettes or any other like particular like. Like, I've been thinking a lot about, like, consciousness lately, and, you know, if you just, and how it can be altered, 
with sure. like the right applications of the, of certain things. You know what I mean? So yeah, maybe it was DMT. Maybe it was it was just cigarettes because he was trying to kick smoking at the time. But just that that thought that something introduced to your to your brain in the right doses will 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 lift up you know the veil. I think that's a really neat thing to ponder. Well, yeah, I mean, there's also, um, you know, scientifically, uh, you know, for survival purposes, we evolved to not to filter a lot of that stuff out. And that's apparently what, um, you know, psychedelics and things like that turn on or they they remove the filters. I mean, that's actually a, a real thing. That's not just like some hippie like. No, no. You know, so, I mean, yeah. There are definitely things that we're not seeing, just the same way dogs can see things and hear things that we can't hear. There's a, a, a dif- differential between our perception and what we actually have in our environment, you know, and there's reality is definitely like a subjective thing. You know. You're a cat guy, right? You have cats? Oh, I love cats. Yeah, of course. I, I, damn, like, I love my cat. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think about that all the time because my cat just like, you know, a lot of people's cats will start just tripping out to this, to this, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's something that I don't see. There's something stimulating her that I don't see that I can't perceive or I can't sense, you know, but it's, it's obviously real as day to her, you know? And, and I'm just always like, what are you seeing? What is it? Is, is it a different shade of, of, of a color? Is it, what is it? Are, are you able to see the temperature changing? What are you, what are you reacting to right now? It's, it's yeah. I yeah. think about that a lot, like how different species perceive their reality. You know what I yeah. mean? Like think about insects, you know, like what the fuck do they see? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I've had spiders forever, man. Like I've, I've always been in tarantulas and weird stuff like that. And I'm always like, because they just seem so instinctual, almost like a machine. You know what I mean? Like hours, days, they will just stay there in the same freaking spot. And then all of a sudden just like turn on, animate, you know, to, to, to get their food or whatever. It's, it's like, or, or you know, I had one, um, you know, I, I, I got the spider. I had it for like two years, and then I went out on a tour. I came back, and the day after I came back, it started laying eggs. And I'm watching it build its egg sack, and I'm like, "You didn't move, like, like what just turned on and made you just like?" They yeah. have to perceive something. It's not just like chemical. You know, I think everything has some form of perception. You know. Oh yeah, totally, man. You know, and and if you think about even those creatures that live in like those weird vents at the bottom of the ocean that don't see anything, yeah, and they experience reality like in this, all some other sound. Maybe that's what they visualized. I mean, who knows? I don't know. I don't fuck. I'm yeah. not a specialist on undersea creatures, but it's just like I trip out on that too. I think about like, well, you know, what the fuck do they see? Like, what's what is their like? reality like living in the bottom of the ocean under pressure like that you know and not not being able to see anything and surviving and thriving like that you know imagine being like imagine being whatever ancestor it was that like went on land for the first time you know what I mean like I always picture that as as like like our journeys into space or like like down here in Florida every now and then I'll like go like skin diving or scuba diving off of a reef you know and just that first jump into the ocean it's like this 
it's it's kind of freaky because it's just so huge you know mm-hmm. and just like thinking of all the different things there and how they're perceiving the you know life in a different way and just being that first guy who walked out and went to something different colonized a different environment imagine the, the weird mental and physiological things that poor specimen had to go through you know yeah totally man trippy stuff yeah that um in general we were talking about Stephen King man like I the um the short story actually is is one of the oh, I think kind of cut out what did you say oh I'm sorry getting back to Stephen King man we were talking about the short stories and and the short story in general I think is is uh probably one of my more favorite methods of reading things like reading taking in literature is I think the short story it, it's fun sometimes I get frustrated though because like. I'll get attached to like when I'm reading something and I and I'm really into it. Like, I always want to know what happened after. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean, so I love short stories, but when it's a really good short story, man, I'll be like, God, I wish this was a novel. Yep, I um, I'm reading this uh, collection of short stories by uh, Nick Pizzolatto. It's called Between Here and the Yellow Sea, and uh, he's the guy who wrote uh, True Detective. And uh, oh, okay. I don't know if you checked that out, but that's. Yeah, he wrote both seasons apparently, and um, his short stories are, or his, his writing actually is pretty, pretty fucking right on, man. Like I, you know, the short stories that he wrote that are collected in that book, man, are some of the greatest, some of the best stuff I've read in a long, a long, long time, man. And uh, what kind of stuff? Well, like it's uh, it's it has like um, a sort of uh, weird. There's an element to it that considers the vastness of the universe, like we're talking about here. Okay. But it's sort of filtered through a very ordinary life. I think that's okay. like a pretty pretty good description of what all of his book, all of his, a lot of his work is about. Like even, I don't know. Did you see the first season of True Detective? I, I honestly don't watch it that much that much TV everyone's telling me to watch it I haven't done it yet but okay. I suppose I will if everyone's you, telling me it's great I, I, I recommend it highly but okay. because there's a lot of references to stuff like this that we're talking about like time and and um you know infinity and you know all that kind of stuff cool. and um you know, then there's also, I remember midway during that, through that season, there was like the possibility of like, man, is this like a supernatural story? Is there going to be like a fucking creature in this or something? But then, yeah. but it actually turns out to be not, I mean, you know, I'm going to give you a spoiler right here. There's no supernatural elements to it, but, okay. but it makes you think about the nature of the supernatural and sort of our perception of reality and sort of using our limited intellect to describe things that we can't really comprehend and that's why there appears to be a supernatural element in the story you know and that's what a lot a lot of the stuff that he fucks with in his books has to do with that it's like you know I'll check it out yeah man and and like if you ever want to read any of his short stories like I it, I thought I would definitely check out Between Here and the Yellow Sea man it's between it, here and the Yellow Sea. Yes, it's um very very good, very well written, and like the stories are just like you know there's a lot of emotional impact with them, and um you know they touch on some of these like broader elements of infinity, but in a very ordinary way. 
Okay. Yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah, it's cool. I'll check yeah. it out. I'm actually, honestly, like, really behind on, on reading right now. Like, I have, like, geez, probably 13, 14 books I've been meaning. Yeah. <laughs> I've been like, oh, God, I got to read this. I got to read this. And then I just never get to it. I've been kind of in a big comic, like, resurgence. Oh, cool. Lately. Right on. What are you like reading? I can rereading some of my, you know, my favorites when I was younger. And, like, uh, Transmetropolitan. Oh, yeah, Warren Ellis, man. Definitely. Oh, man, that's. Warren Ellis is the man. I love all. I love most of the stuff he's done. Yeah. 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 Um, and then another one that I love. I don't. Oh, I don't know who's the who's the writer off the top of my head. It was it was a, a Vertigo title called House of Secrets. Oh yeah, you know I didn't read that, but uh, yeah, I've seen that around. Definitely. I highly recommend it, okay. man. It is. It's really really fucking cool, man. It it it, it uh. It definitely has like this this cool. Um, it just kind of deals with judgment, you know, like judgment and redemption are kind of like the two big themes in it. You know what I mean? That get manifested in their own ways, and I don't know. I just thought it was really, really well written. I thought the art was amazing, so I've been enjoying that. And uh, old McFarlane stuff, man, like all the stuff that he did for Spider Man, yep. like uh, the introduction of Venom, you know, and and then. Uh, some of some of the stuff when he was doing, I, you know, God, no wait. Hello. Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, uh, you know, some of the stuff that he did with, uh, I, I forget how long he did it, but I'm, fr- and I'm not sure if I'm thinking of another artist, but I think some of the Wolverine, I, I think he did Wolverine for a little bit, or I'm thinking of John Ramota. I can't. Yeah. I can't think straight of that that particular Wolverine series right it, now. It would make sense that it would, it would totally make sense that he wrote Wolverine, but I'm not sure though. But See, um, I'm, I'm, it's like I I uh, I just read the books like two weeks ago, and I remember going, "Oh, damn, McFarlane, cool." But now I, I'm not a hundred percent sure because I, I remember him being kind of boxy. Yeah, Doctor Strange has been another big big reread for me, man. Like a friend of mine, actually, I'll just say my girlfriend got me a, a bunch of um, omnibuses oh, from yeah, uh, Marvel, and she got me like all three volumes of the Doctor Strange stuff, and I've just been tearing through that. <laughs> the saddest thing about Doctor Strange is that he's never been able to maintain his own book for a long time. You know what I mean? His own what? His own uh, his own title. Like he's a, he's always they're always trying yeah. to bring him back, and then it'll last for like 30 or 40 issues or 10 issues, and then he gets canceled, because it bums me out that no one reads it, you know? It does, but I can also see how it's, it's it's you know, for the casual reader, it's a tough, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a tough read, I guess, if, if, you know, all you're looking for is the next fight scene, you know? Yeah. You know, go, I, I know. Go, it's always my favorite. Going back to McFarlane, like, I, I um... Even the early Spawn stuff I thought was cool. Like, I have... Oh, yeah. You know. I mean, it's that, that comic actually still exists, believe it or not. You know, that they're still writing new Spawn stories. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, haven't, I, I haven't, like, you know, collected, you know, like, modern issues in a long, 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 long time. But, yeah, I'm... You know, I see them on Facebook and stuff like that. And, and uh, yeah, Spawn's still going. I think they're actually going to bring Violator back. Oh, nice. talking about I don't know I might read that just to see Violator again that was pretty neat I might I might check check some of the trades maybe you know yeah like, you know something I've like been, that 
I've been more into that lately because, again, the whole, like, short story thing, like, just wanting to read a complete piece, like, I've been really enjoying the, the, the paperback, you know, reissues that they've been doing of, of a lot of the books that I didn't get a chance to read the first time around, like Sandman, you know, oh, yeah. I, the first time I read that was in trade paperback form, and I was like, why did I get into this when it came out? Jeez. Yeah, Sandman was something I sort of slept on, too, in the beginning, um, I don't know, there's something about it. I mean, maybe at the time, I, I, it wasn't really what I was looking for, maybe. But now I'm all about it. I think Sandman, Neil Gaiman is an excellent writer. and Sandman was a great series. And I've enjoyed most of that stuff, just the trades. And, um, you know, but for me, some of the, my favorite stuff was like Swamp Thing, like the, you know, that golden age of Swamp Thing with um, Swamp Alan, Alan Moore yeah. writing it. Uh, you know, Preacher. Garth Ennis's Preacher was, was like the, the jam, you know? Um, Preacher is another one I slept on. Oh, man. Like, at the time. And recently I started reading it because a friend of mine was like, dude, what? Come on. You can't call yourself a comic book fan and not read Preacher. And I was like, okay. And then I was, yeah. Yeah. I'm not too far into it, but enjoying it a lot. Yeah. Preacher, Preacher is, is definitely one of those things where it's like, I would list that up there with like Watchmen and like the Dark Knight Returns as being like important to the comic book culture, you know? Gotcha. And uh, yeah, it's definitely very like cinematic and quite surprised actually that they never made any kind of movie or, you know, HBO show or something, even though you keep hearing about how someone's trying to license the story, you know, that it's would make such a great movie, you know, I think. It would. It would also, also too. I think it would make a really good series, from what I've been reading so yeah. far. Because it, it's, I don't know. Again, I, not far, but it seems like it gets pretty far-reaching. Yeah. As far as like developing storylines and things, so I don't know. I, I like when things grow. Yeah, a series would be best, definitely for sure, man. Like making a because nowadays that that's actually as far as like the visual medium goes, like you know, motion pictures or whatever. Like it seems like the series is like the better method of telling the story as opposed to a, a 90 minute movie you know yeah it's been a long time since uh, a movie really did it for me although the Mad Max one I, I, I enjoyed a lot oh yeah but when I do watch TV it's like through Netflix uh-huh. and yeah man it's, like you said like series just seem to be a really cool way of, of telling stories now like the Daredevil one was oh really impressive man I was really impressed yeah you know apparently there's going to be a whole um, you know a, a whole slew of these uh, Marvel series on, on uh, Netflix like they're going to do a yeah, Punisher yeah I keep hearing them talk about the Punisher and, and uh, that's another guy I've always been a really really big fan of so I'm um, um, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that man <laughs> the Punisher movies no, no good but the uh, in my opinion but the uh, doing a series if they just do it approach it the same way they approach that Daredevil series, I think they'll be in business. You know, I thought that the second Punisher movie was fun to watch just for its, like, absurdity. You know, like, when the guy's jumping across from building to building and he just, like, shoots him with a rocket halfway through, like... Yeah. You know, not a great movie. Just certain things like that made me laugh out loud when I was watching it. Yeah, I mean, as like, a good time, you know, like, just chilling watching a movie it's cool but like as far as like how I want to see that character man like I don't I don't want to see I want to see the Punisher like on the street like killing someone yeah. you know like with a gun or something like that you know yeah yeah down and dirty 
Yeah, like real gritty, like noir, you know, just real street. When they re, you know. uh, imaged him in, in the early 2000s, and finally they had that whole Manucci storyline and, and started making his comics pretty violent. I thought that was a really cool... I thought that was the best way that he was he was presented. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but there was a there was a supernatural Punisher too. There's no. oh man, it was a failure, dude. It's like uh, I want to say in the late '90s, there was a thing called Marvel Knights, and uh, okay. they had Daredevil, and like Kevin Smith wrote a Daredevil arc for this Marvel Knights imprint. Uh-huh. And uh, it wasn't that great, even though I like Kevin Smith. I just don't really like his writing. Um, and then there was a Punisher where he was like resurrected. He was like a, a you know, he he was killed, and he's come back as like this supernatural being. So what? It's like Dead Heat. Joe Piscopo comes back to life and is like <laughs> kicking supernatural butt or something. Pretty much. <laughs> and uh, that was short lived. And then when they brought the Punisher back with like the Garth Ennis, you know, writing. They just completely forgot about that. They just pretended like that never happened, which is good. That's when it got, got brutal, right? With 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 Garth Ennis, was that yeah. the one that I was talking about yep. when it got really like it was fighting the mob and all that shit? Yeah, like it was uh, Garth Ennis and um, Brian, uh, Brian uh, Ed Brubaker. Like those are the guys who wrote the Punisher during that era when it was, was like the super supernatural. Gritty. Punisher is is like cheesy as it sounds or was it kind of cool no it sucked man. I mean I didn't like it there might be some geek out there who thought it was the greatest thing in the world but I, I, I couldn't couldn't get behind it at all huh I never knew that like I like I said I I, I stopped collecting for years and it's not like I still like collect like I'm just obsessed with chronology so with, whatever I was reading I tried to pick up where I left off you know what I mean yeah, like I, I don't. I used to be really serious about comic book collecting, but um, yeah, I just I, I like the stories. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, me too. And, me too. Uh, and I want them completely. I don't want to have to wait. Yeah. For my next installment. I I I. I uh, and I find myself waiting for the trades to come out more and more as that goes. And um, I'm trying to I've been selling off a fair amount of my collection. I'm in I'm in the process of trying to sell off some of my collection because uh, you know something like The Walking Dead. Like I have you know those compendium editions that put it all, put it all together basically, and I'm yeah. trying to sell the individual issues because I'm just like yeah man I'm I'm more likely to read it in a collected volume than I am to go through the individual issues. And I just got too much stuff laying around, man. And if I can like liquidate those and use those funds for something useful then I'd rather do that than just have them accumulating you know dust yeah. and decaying over the years so that's sort of what I've been trying to do you know you know I've done that with like a lot of like I used to be really into toys and yeah. I still don't get me wrong I still love my toys but I was like maniacal about it mm-hmm. and um you know over the years same thing for the same reasons you know what I mean just had too much stuff lying around I don't know if I'll ever do it with my comics because there's like sentimental. Yeah. Like me and my dad collected them together. Yep. You know what I mean? So. I am. Uh, so much fucking room. I had to let go of it. I mean, I'm not going to get rid of my entire collection, but there's there's some that are just going to go. Like uh, The Walking Dead. I've got them, all the stories, so I can reread them anytime I want. And just the individual single issues are just going to go because. Uh, yeah. 
Those I'm not so sentimental about those because it's not that old of a series. You know, yeah. it's some of the really, really early stuff, maybe from the 80s that, like, my parents bought me when I was a young kid. Like, that stuff's probably going to stay. But, like, that yeah. Yeah, stuff I bought on my own, like, in the 90s and, you know, whatever, like, stuff in the recent years that I picked up, you know. Like, I'll probably buy, like, trades and then just sell off the singles. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, I, I was thinking about it, like, um... Like going back to like McFarlane and Spider and Spider Man when I was younger was like my big thing. Me and my dad just love Spider Man. Yeah. So you know I go back and you know I'm rereading like you know like you know Amazing Spider Man 300 or something like that. You know, and then yeah I I, I got it in the trade paperback too, but I don't know I still get value out of opening that particular book and smelling the way it smells sure. at the same time. It would be really difficult for me to do. Like I don't know it would have to be worth it. Like if somebody could, you know if you know, if it was worth getting rid of, I'll get rid of it. But right now, they're not like taking up that much room to where I'm. I'm not worried about it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, I just want to bring it down to a manageable size, too. You know, I mean, I got shit all over my parents' house, and like, you know, it's just intrusive at this point. You know. <laughs> yeah, dude. My whole place is filled with my stuff, and still at my parents' house, I have like a whole attic full of toys and like my old bedroom is like partially my dad's office but at the same time there's still a lot of my stuff left too so I know exactly what you mean yeah were you a big fan of the Vertigo um the DC's Vertigo line at all I, I it, besides House of Secrets which I started with when it came out I kind of missed the boat on it but going back I'm really enjoying it like um Death, the high cost of living. I've dug a lot, but um, but beyond death and Sandman and the House of Secrets and the characters associated with those series, I haven't dived too much into into Vertigo. But what I've read, I've liked. Yeah, the stuff that I really dug a hundred a hundred bullets. That was like, yeah, you know, hundred bullets. Yeah, it's like this uh, Brian Azareo. He's like this. Uh, he writes a lot of like more like crime. It's like a crime series, basically. Okay. Yeah, it's really, really good, man. It's like I'll check it out. I was never really big into 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 like crime stories, but uh, yeah. Every now and then something comes along and I dig it, so I will check that out. I'm big into like crime and like noir fiction and stuff. Like there's um Ed, Ed Brubaker, one of the guys who wrote uh, The Punisher for a while. He has his own separate universe that he publishes, and he does these like. It's really cool because he does. Like five issue story arcs, like five issue mini, uh, limited series, like mini series, um, uh-huh. and the, they're all the the title is called Criminal, and Criminal. Um, it's got really cool art, you know, and and he he's built like a a world um, that's just kind of like CD like New York, cr- you know, crime world, and you know, there's similar characters and similar events that happen to him, but it's like a very uh, you know, it's drawing heavily from, like, the 70s style of, like, Lee Marvin films and, you know, Point Break and that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Or, okay. you know, just, like, that that world of, like, you know, Lee Marvin and, you know, Warren Oates type stories. You know, it's cool. I mean, I like, I like a lot of that stuff. Okay. Check it out. Yeah, I, I only really d- d- dug stuff like that when there were, when it was, like, you know, like a true crime type of a thing you know what I mean like I don't know the the, the whole like mystery or, or film noir thing never really like that 
resonated too much with me, but I'm always willing to, to check stuff out that people say, this is cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of a lot of stuff like that out there. You know, so as far as um, with Word Weaver, man, do you guys have any like touring plans or anything like that that you're gonna you're gonna when the new new well for the rest of the year, like I said, we're lying low while we're shopping the record that we just finished. We're gonna put it out next year, um, and then tour the shit out of that. So next year we're gonna be all over the the place, but uh, this year it's it's we're pretty much you know done for the year right now. Right on, yeah. You know, a bunch of stuff to do, but all behind the scenes stuff, you know, like, because this record is like, we're going to have a bunch of cool stuff. And then, like, it's actually going to come with a comic book oh, and nice. shit like that with the lyrics and stuff. So we're, you know, we try to like have a lot of cool supplemental art, you know, with it. So building all that and, and yeah, just getting ready to put the record out, figure out the, the mix and the master right now. Who, so nothing in the immediate future. Who's doing the uh, comic book? Like, how's that coming together? Uh, it's the same uh, person who did the art and the trading cards that we did for the first record. Her name's uh, Jean uh, Says. Nice. She uh, has her own band down here called Shroud Eater. Like, really, really killer, doomy band. Oh, yeah, we played with them, actually. Uh, yeah. At the 16 show, right? The, yeah. The well, one that was, yeah. Yep, us and 16 came through and they were on the bill they were, they were really cool yeah excellent band um she's a really really killer artist and um it, it like when I was a kid like my favorite thing was listening to a record and looking at the art like I always had this 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 conception that like every little piece of art related to some moment on the record in some way even though if I was right or not you know um yeah. and so she gets that and, and that's how like She's the only one right now that has the record and the lyrics. And, you know, she'll build the whole thing. And then um, her and Sally are working on the storyboard for what's going to be the comic now. And that's going to be... The lyrics of the song are going to be appeared in comic form. You know, they're going to be split up between, like, narration and dialogue, you know? That's fucking awesome, man. Uh, you know, I don't know. Let's uh, see how it comes uh, out. <laughs> well, this the idea is cool, you know? Yeah. I like that idea. You know, I don't know. I like stupid stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather do. I'd rather like with lyrics try to try to have fun with them in in ways. I'd like present them in a more like you know fun way than just like you know death metal lyrics. You know. Yeah. You know. Well, anyway, dude. Uh, thanks for uh, taking out. Uh, some time out man it's a weekend and everything I'm sure you got like other shit you'd rather be doing <laughs> but uh you know I appreciate it it's cool man I've actually you know been a fan of the podcast for a while so oh cool it was like dude you want to do it I was like ah uh, yeah I don't know anything about MMA oh no dude yeah. that's that's only like a real small part of what, what I talk about man it's like you, you know, know what though it it, it it seems a lot of the people that you talk to, though, eventually have like some interest in training. Whether it's as, as serious with you about, or as serious as you are about it, I don't know. A lot of the ones that I've listened to. Huh. to Karen, listen to. Karen Crisis doesn't train martial arts, though. Say again. <laughs> Karen Crisis, she doesn't. Uh, she she doesn't throw punches or kicks at anybody. So she's she's someone that hasn't really. You know, I actually have. That's one that I don't think I've listened to yet. Was the last one I listened to was the the one where you did with the the, the low Korean guys. Oh yeah, yep, yep, yeah. definitely, man. Terrence, yeah, dude, I love that band. I don't know. Are you familiar with them? 
Low Creed? Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, fucking they're, amazing, they're, dude. They are fucking killer, man. I like that band. You know what? Funny story. I have been, like, for the last few weeks, I have been dying, killing myself, trying to remember the title of this, this science fiction book that I just loved. And uh, literally today on their Facebook page, they posted uh, they, they posted something about it. It's called Doll Greg. And I was like, oh, my God. I have been... I literally googled science fiction books that start with D just knowing I would remember the title right when I saw it you know mm-hmm. and I was like cool man not only do you guys do cool music you're into cool things that guy Terrence Hanneman is a deep dude man that guy's like you know I mean you know you're in bands and you meet people and you know they do cool stuff and then that's kind of it you know but then you meet some people like Terrence who are like, there's like a depth to that guy. You know what I mean? And uh, is that is he the one that also trains in yoga and, and like is an instructor and stuff? I, I don't know actually. I don't, we, I don't know if we talked about that or not. But uh, I that, just saw something recently where one of those guys is, is like super into yoga, and I was I don't know. He was like equating it to black metal, and I don't know. I thought it was neat. You could know, be. I thought it was a correlation that he was making. Whenever I talk to these guys in bands who are like into art, you know, or like artists or into like visual arts and studied. I mean, Terrence is a teacher. You know, he's an art, he's an art teacher. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's fucking like, you know, like that's a whole dimension of experience that uh, I don't have, you know? And it's interesting to me to hear other people tell their their experiences with that, you know? and, and uh, Or even just, just, like, you know, teaching. You know, there's another guy, Jonathan Dick, that I had on here a while ago. Um, he does a, a website called Steel for Brains. It's, like, an interview website. And, uh, like, he's a, he's a teacher, of, I believe, at a university in Birmingham, Alabama. And... Like having that responsibility to me is like a very deep responsibility, man. And uh, yeah, can't, yeah. I don't know if I trust myself to, to be that guy, really. What just being somebody who's who's in charge of kind of like shaping a mind, like specifically a teacher, is what you're saying, or just like big responsibility? Like, oh no, yeah. I mean, I, I have no problem with responsibility, but I mean, for shaping someone else's mind, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Cause I, I don't think, want anything to do with that. That's terrifying. Yeah, dude. Because I think about people that I, in my, you know, teachers I've had, you know, in school or whatever, and and uh, you know, I hate to admit it, but they do. Even even teachers I've had when I was like nine years old have like completely molded my life in some way, for better or for worse, you know. Yep. And to be that person in someone else's life is something I just don't want to. Uh, I want to have to. I don't want to have to face something like that. You know what I mean? No, I, I do before Eight Eternal. That's what I was actually going to school for. I was really? I, I started going to college, and you know, I, wa- I wanted to be a teacher because, like, I actually had like at the end of high school, I had a couple really positive interact, you know, like relationships with teachers. You know what I mean? And and uh, you know, one of them specifically kind of had a had a good deal of, of shaping certain aspects of my personality in a, in a really really positive way. And I just thought that was neat. And I was like. Huh, this would be cool. And then I started going to school, and then Hate Eternal happened, and yeah, that's a, that's history. that's definitely like uh, you want to focus on that. You know, I mean, that's that's something that you can't do halfway is being Hate Eternal. But then I remember even one night just thinking about it in the exact terms that you just said, like being responsible for like for making sure that somebody like at least has some head on their shoulders when they walk out of your presence. You know what I mean? Like that's a heavy. That's a heavy thing, man. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's not to be taken lightly, man. And that's not. And then you know, unfortunately, those people don't, don't get compensated very well. You know, they they. Yeah, that's a shame. The, the best people aren't necessarily in that position in our country. You know. Yeah, our, our country and public education definitely don't have the right idea there, but that's another conversation. <laughs> yeah, right. Totally. But uh, so anyway, before we sign off, what, uh, you know, just lay, lay it on me, man. Like, where can we find information about Warb Weaver and about the various uh, adventures that you're you're involved with? Uh, easiest way would be our website, uh, warbweaverband.com. You know, from there, it has, you know, links to, you know, Facebook, you know, streaming services, things like that. Um, the record that we have, Strange Transmissions, is is out on vinyl with um, Corpse Flower Records, you know. So if anybody wants to grab a copy of that, they can either hit us up, you know, through Bandcamp or Facebook or go to, to Kenny and Corpse Flower. Um, yeah, you know, it's, 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 the website is the easiest way, cool. I find Right on, man. Yeah, man. Well, uh, once again, thanks for uh, for hanging out and uh, yeah, man. Had, a, had a killer time. Yeah, lots of fun. Yeah.